1: It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com.
0: Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company SI and its operating company 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. Yes, we are live. We never stop. It doesn't matter what the result is. We will be here at 12.30 on a Monday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen McCutcheon of Celtic Down Under. Stephen, how are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, Obviously, i had better weekends, but, you know, as Anne says, we never stop. We never stop.
1: And by the way, just to cheer everybody up, I thought I would um, introduce to you a jersey that uh, it's an anomaly in the, the Celtic jersey history. Uh, I knew you were going to be coming on with some of the classics behind you and I thought I'd go the other way because there's no way I'm going to match the, uh, the old Shamrock talk <laughs> from the 1960s. Yeah. But the reason I've got it there before we get started is I've been looking for this jersey. I'm a bit of a completist, a bit of an obsessive. been looking for this jersey for ages and it was our very own Lloyd Patrick Jepsen who sent it up to the studio. Not only that, it's a player spec kit. It's long-sleeved. I'm going to wear it uh, on my holiday this summer. (laughs) Why not, Stephen? Why not? Uh, There has been a couple of shirts leaked over the last few weeks. We'll be talking about them. But there is so much to talk about in relation to that game over the weekend, Stephen. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts. And I'm keen to hear the thoughts... Of the commenters uh, and the the chat group as well, uh, we normally go about thousand strong on a Monday. Hopefully, you can all join us. Let us know what you think. We we're going to be talking about specific areas of that match. We're going to be talking about lineup changes that didn't work, uh, the three mistakes that cost us the game. Ultimately, yeah, it was a bad. Result, But there were three individual errors that could have been avoided. Um, The lockout, how does it affect the atmosphere of the game? How does it affect the visiting teams? And of course, we'll be talking about the fact that more missiles were thrown onto the park um, in the direction of Matt O'Reilly and Jota. Bragging rights, have a look at the... uh, The tagline, we've been getting told that Rangers have got the bragging rights over the summer. Seriously, I think that Ange has got bigger expectations of what we can take into the summer months. And what did Ange learn from the game? Things weren't good. What did he learn from the Glasgow Derby defeat? Um, And is there ever such a thing as a meaningless Glasgow Derby? I'm going to be asking Stephen those questions and loads, loads more as well. As well as the big refereeing decisions. Did he get them right? Did he get them wrong? Let's start off then, Stephen. Give me an overview of that performance at the weekend, how you watched it over in Australia, and your summary of the 3-0 defeat.
0: Yeah, well, um, it was on at a very respectable 9.30pm on a Saturday night, which is just perfect for us on the east coast of Australia. I'm here in Sydney. Um, so it was, it, was, it was good from that point of view. So I went out to the pub down at the Scruffy Murphy's down in the city where well, the Sydney CSC gathered to watch the games. Uh, myself and my son went down there, so it's always nice to, to watch the games with my son. Um, I, was, I was actually out already celebrating my daughter's birthday. Um, so we managed to sneak away, but we missed the first 15 minutes of the game. So um, I kind of watched you know the first goal on my phone uh, and by the time I got to the pub the, the atmosphere was already a bit subdued it was really quite a weird one uh, because you know there was so little at stake for Celtic in terms of you know points and uh, anything meaningful to play for but at the end of the day you're still playing them uh, and you still don't like to lose um, the game was very disappointing for uh, for a number of reasons we'll, we'll probably get into soon um, but it was just a very, very disappointing from start to finish and I don't think there was many positives at all we could take out of that game, to be honest. It's
1: a bit like this jersey behind me as well, Stephen. Not many positives we can take away from that. Who could you put that on? Could Jota even make that jersey look good? I'm not so sure. Um, (laughs) We'll also be looking at some of the players who got pass marks. I mean, we try and pull as many positives as possible and, and I understand the emotion uh, of being in the game, watching the game at that time, it's very difficult. And for my sins, I rewatched the game this morning so that I could give more of a balanced view of it. I was looking at things like which players, you know, in amongst that terrible performance, because that's what it was. Were there any players who came out with pass marks? I'll be talking about that. I'll also be um, looking at a few other points today. Marks the uh, the anniversary uh, of the the passing of two absolute legends of the club, Stephen. Let's have a wee chat about that as well before we get stuck into the Rangers game. Bobby Murdoch passed away on this day in 2001 and uh, Tommy Burns passed away also in 2008 on this day. And, you know, every year we talk about it, I'm always taken aback by their ages because every year I'm getting closer to the ages that they were when they passed away. Young men, Stephen, Bobby Murdoch, 56, Tommy Burns, just 51. And it's always right at this time of the year, to remember these two legends.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, yeah, Bobby Murdoch uh, be before my time. Um I, I wouldn't have any memory of watching Bobby Murdoch, but you know, clearly a legend at the club, you know, one of the, the you know, a member of the best team we ever fielded. Uh but Tommy Dunne for me just signifies everything that was Celtic uh, growing up around about the club and um yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm past the age. Tommy was when he passed away and um it, it just it was He was one of those guys you thought would be around forever. You know, first a player, then a manager. And you just sort of, the guy you, you expected to grow old within the club. Um, but to lose him at that time, absolutely tragic. And, and, a, and a, a fantastic man, um, as well as being a Celtic legend.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've seen these players, that's, you know, they're synonymous with a club that you've uh, grown up with. And, you know, you do hope that, they have a long and fruitful life beyond the football and when you look at the ages 56-51 um, thoughts and prayers as always with uh, Bobby's and Tommy's friends and family uh, on this particular day what I'm also going to be pointing out looking at positives is if chances we had Stephen at the weekend where you know on another day the, you know that one of the chances pulls us back into the game it wasn't to be we'll be looking at all of that starting off the lineup changes that didn't work now I'm not talking about Kobayashi and I'm not talking about Ralston here because they were forced changes. Uh, Johnson and Carter Vickers are injured. We've seen both of them on crutches. Nothing you can do about that when you're the gaffer, but he did decide to make some other changes. So we're looking at um, O starting the game up top, Bernabe starting at left-back, and the decision to bring back Abada um, at the loss of Maeda. I thought was an interesting move as well. Um, We'll start off with O then, right? And Lawrence and I had, we disagreed on it. Simple as that, which is fair play. That's what it's all about. We disagreed on this one. I play Kyogo every single day of the week. Um, And when we go into this game, I think it's a no-brainer. I think, you know, Kyogo's the top goal scorer in the country. He's picked up gongs last night that we'll be talking about for his incredible season. And and uh, Lawrence, he wouldn't mind me saying this, and he'll be back on tomorrow to talk about it. Lawrence's point was, what are you going to learn from Kyogo in a game like this game on Saturday? Well, my view is you, it's not about learning. Um, it's about winning or certainly avoiding defeat, keeping up your own personal records, going for the points tally, going for the goals tally, keeping in the momentum going as well, Stephen, um, for the cup final. And just, you know, treating this game like you would treat the game If it was two weeks ago and we hadn't won the league, go in with your strongest side. And when I look at O, O had a great chance. He had a fantastic chance to score the equaliser. In six minutes, it would have been a brilliant response. The whole dynamic of the game changes. Was it a bad effort? No, it was was a fairly good effort and it clips the post. But I'm I'm looking at, at Kyogo and I just think a guy like Kyogo's got to start and he's got a great record against Rangers as well. So we'll start off with O. Were you surprised that the changed? Did you agree with it, Stephen? What was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised at, at the amount of changes. Um, you know, I, I think Ange, Ange has been pretty much flawless in his time at the club, but I think he got it wrong on the weekend there. And, you know, we have to be able to say that. Um, as, as far as Rose concerned concerned, um, no, I wasn't expecting him to start the game. I understand the point that you want to give him game time and in, in, in fixtures which are essentially meaningless but this one's never meaningless. Um, and to go into that stadium uh, in front of no Celtic fans with that whole stadium being for blood, um, I think it was just too much for, for a guy who's only been playing for the for playing for the team since the January window. Um, and it's still to really get a, a significant amount of minutes under his belt. And I, I think it was always going to be a big ask, both for him and the other guys coming out of the team. Um, and the chance the chance you were talking about I might disagree slightly. I, I thought he made a bit of a mess of it because if I watched it back like you today and um, Mac- the, the Rangers goalkeeper, McCrory, actually slipped over um, as he as he advanced out towards the ball and that was the point then to just dink it over him into the net. But he just delayed that split second to let McCrory get back to his feet, narrow the angle and, he, and he, yeah, it was a bit unlucky to hit the post but if he'd been more decisive in the first place, I think he'd have put it away. Um, and for the rest of the game, I, I just don't think he, he, he did enough. And he didn't he didn't appear to be putting the work rate in that you get from Kyogo. And Kyogo's been the best striker in the country this year. And you take him out of the team, there's always going to be a drop-off in quality. But I think it was just a bridge too far for all. Um, I'd be quite happy to see him playing in the remaining three games of the, of the season, but just not in that one. I think it's a good point you make there because, listen,
1: I'm not about to... Um write any of these guys off, Stephen, because, you know, that there, there are reactions and I get that. Uh, the emotions are running high during the game, after the game. And I've heard a lot of chat around Bernabeu. So I was watching his performance really closely second time round and I'm not writing no off and I've heard people saying, you know, it's a downgrade on Yakamakis and all that kind of stuff. Listen, let's give him time and we'll see how he develops. But what I will say about it is um, I don't think after that chance there was a great deal that he contributed. And listen, people might say the same, that when Kyogo came on, he didn't make a a great difference. Mm. However, when a game's going against you and you come on in 62 minutes and it's 2-0, Rangers are in a lane, Celtic are in a completely different lane, it's hard to then get back into the game. But what I would say is within four minutes, there were two balls played through to Kyogo by Hatati. That, you know what, if they're in the first four minutes, say the first or the second half, then, you know, you're looking at Kyogo thinking, right, see the third pass, he's going to get on the end of it. There were three balls by Hatate. I never saw that danger. I never saw the off-the-ball running that Kyogo brings to the game. I never saw that from, from O. So I didn't agree with it. I thought that it weakened our side. And it's not just about the goals. We're talking about him being the, the top goal scorer. Um, but it's the way that, he, the movement, it's the movement off the ball. It, it's the way that everybody talks about him hanging off the, the shoulder of the last defender. There's a few occasions where the goalie's got far too much time for me. Kugo's normally right down the throat. Um, So yeah, I I thought that was a mistake. And this is the thing, right? I suppose the Colgo came to Celtic, lost three of his first six games. And um, you know we were able at that point to say that that was wrong and this was wrong. He then goes on an incredible journey with us as fans, Stephen. And he deserves all the plaudits that he gets. And by the way, we'll come to his post-match interview as well. But it's okay to say that you know, that a decision was wrong. It's not you're not at the point where you, you just cannot question something that the gaffer does. Um and I think that we we were in a same scenario actually in Neil Lennon's final season where um any criticism of Lennon for several weeks and months on this show was criticized in itself because you can't criticize the gaffer. Mm-hmm. And it was all about back then keep the faith in Lenny we trust. That's all fair and well. But when you see things that aren't going well I think it's okay to highlight them. And I think o, O's performance at the weekend was a mistake by Ange Poster Yeah,
0: and and it was very surprising because we've only lost one other game this season and that was away to St Mirren. Uh, and it was the same scenario there. He made too many changes for that game uh, mm-hmm. and everybody basically recognised that and he's never done it since. Um, and to do it again in a game of this magnitude was, was was really quite surprising, especially since you mentioned earlier there was two forced changes already through injury. And yeah. I think you know the, the amount of changes that were made to the other the other positions just threw the balance of the team out completely. Um, and and certainly you know asking Oti to lead the line like that was was really a big ask for him. And I ho- I hope he bounces back, and I hope he you know I wouldn't mind seeing him getting a lot more minutes between now and the end of the season. Um, maybe off the bench he would be starting Kyogo uh, for the remaining games if he's fit um, but you know I'd be quite happy to see he get some minutes under the belt I think he's he's got a lot of potential there um, the goal he scored at Tidecastle was a very good goal Yeah and a good time yeah, as well and, um, Yeah and he, it was a great run off, his, off the defender and I think that was a sign of things to come uh, and that he's maybe not just a sort of physical centre forward that he's been kind of used as up to now. Uh, but I think, you know, moving into the summer transfer window, I think there's definitely room. And I know this is opening up a whole other discussion, but there's probably room for another striker to come in um, and, and, you know, put the pressure on, a bit more pressure on Kyogo uh, and O to, to keep the performance levels up. I would agree with that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk between now and the
1: end of the season and then through the preseason as to where we strengthen, where we really need to strengthen in the side. I've been saying for a wee while I think that a striker is required. Um uh, even the fact, you know, if O was even more prolific than it has been, and I think he's done okay since he came in. I just think that you've got you've got to have three because if someone does get injured, you know, then you've got no option. You've got to play
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW avoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: By the way, if you've just joined us and you're thinking, why on earth has Paul John got that jersey behind him? The reason I've got it there is because if you think the jerseys behind Stephen are better than mine, give us a big thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure that the 700 of you that are watching right now will give us a big thumbs up. Right, Bernabe. So he comes back in. And again, the, the discussion that, that Lawrence and I had yesterday was around, well, at some point, Stephen, these guys are going to have to face, not just Rangers, but they're going to have to face European sides. If we want to be a European force uh, in ourselves, they're going to have to you know, go into a challenge like this and come through with flying colours. It's something Ange spoke about. Um, and one player this season who's who's gone into a game like this before is Alistair Johnston, and he came through it with flying colours. Bernabé is getting loads of stick. I've noticed it on the socials. I've noticed it in the comments. Loads of stick he's getting. I watched it again today. I felt it was pretty disjointed, his performance. I don't think he would... Listen, there was plenty of people who weren't performing on that park. Um, But at at one point, just to to back up the disjointed kind of view, in 29 minutes, he, he chases a ball, right, kind of takes himself out of position. The ball is obviously going into the space of Matt O'Reilly. Now, Greg Taylor would have left it for O'Reilly. They end up barging in each other. It's almost as if O'Reilly tackles him and we lose possession. And it was just very disjointed as if he's not really in into the flow of how we play. And I, and I felt also that down the left-hand side, we were very weak. Now, that came from the defence, Kobayashi, um, Burnaby on the left-hand side. And then defensively, Jota on the left. Now, actually, I think Jota played pretty well, but defensively, he's not Maeda. So I felt down the left-hand side, we were really weak and it really, I thought, exposed Burnaby, who didn't have a great game. What was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought, you know, feeling watching it at the time, he did appear to be having a, a pretty poor game. Some of his passing was fairly inaccurate um, and he just didn't seem to be getting the positional uh, part of the game that, that Greg Taylor fulfilled so well like joining into the midfield and I think that had a lot to do with the problems we ended up having in midfield uh, Burnaby just wasn't in the correct area of the pitch too, too often wasn't helped by the fact the whole left side of the team was was a new combination as was the whole right side of the team um, so that, that didn't help matters at all but I, I think he had, a, he had a pretty poor game and I think what's going against Burnaby and, and what a lot of people they seem to be forgetting is we paid quite a lot of money for him. It was just short of £4 million, which is a significant investment for Celtic. Um, and I think when we brought him in, I know I certainly expected him to be first choice left back. Now, Greg Taylor surpassed all every, everyone's expectations this year and had a fantastic season. Um, so we've been fortunate in that regard because because Burnaby's just not showed that he's up to the level of a, being a first team starter yet. And for having paid that amount of money for him, I think that's pretty disappointing from him.
1: You know, I, I remember, and we could go back on the shows, I think a lot of people had that view, Stephen, about Bay coming in. We're talking about we need an upgrade for Europe. I remember all that chat. But then what's happened is Greg Taylor has really, for me, he's developed uh, probably beyond many of our expectations. There were a few Axon um, contributors, Amy Canavan, Lawrence Connolly, um, who have always been big fans of Greg Taylor, and there's a few others as well. But uh, there was a lot of folk actually disagreeing with those views. And I think you make a fantastic point there. If you look at the combinations down both sides, that's another for me, that's another reason why you play Taylor at left-back, mm-hmm. you play Jota on the right-hand side, you play Maeda down. Because if you don't do that, you've got a second-choice right-back um, who doesn't really have an understanding with those in front of him, and you've got a check- second-choice left-back who doesn't have that understanding. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that disjointed look about it. Um, the other player, people might disagree with this, and and, and maybe go back to Abada's record against Rangers, Stephen, but Abada came back in at the um, at the loss of Maeda. And I've I said going up to the game, I think, against Rangers, maeda has got to start. He's got to start. I think he snuffs out a potential threat down their right hand side. His work rate, we know all about it. We've spoken about it um for a year and a half now. And again, you're looking at a bad and you think to yourself, right, okay. He scores goals against Rangers. He gives them a hard time. And in actual fact he probably should score about 15 minutes in. Um, as well, so again, it didn't quite work out, but and it's not with hindsight because going into the game, I said we should play Maeda. What was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, you've always got to play Maeda in this fixture um, because he does he nullifies their main threat, which is that you know basically Tariani coming down the right hand side of their team and, and swinging in crosses and trying to play off second balls. Um, so Maeda just nullifies that, and his work rate is just so incredibly good. And incredibly, what, what a, a rate he keeps up and that's what you need that's what you need over at, at Ibrooks when you're playing in an away fixture especially with no fans there you just need somebody to keep them in their own half um, and you know the, it was totally the, the midfield was totally disjointed because the, the full backs weren't pushing in properly um, and as far as bad is concerned I just don't understand that one at all because he's been out the team for a long time now uh, but we know what he's capable of we know a that can score goals. We know he can get in at the back post and get on the end of things. So we, there's nothing to be for us to learn from that. You know, we know he can do that. It's not like, you know, Kobayashi who's, who we need to see if he can handle these sort of fixtures. We know a badder can. But he's been out he's been out of the team for so long. And it was again, it was just too much to ask for him to come straight back in like that. And another one that was a real head scratcher for me.
1: You know this, Stephen, right? And again, this is a Listen, we've just been beating 3-0 from Rangers. So there's going to be some criticism, but this isn't um, us forgetting it, all the good that this team have done. I mean, Ange Postacoglu has been a revelation. Most of the players that we're talking about today have been fantastic signings. But in isolation, we're talking about this particular game. And I want to talk about some of the mistakes that were made because, you know, individual errors are so, so costly um, in any game. But in a game like this, you know, you can look back on the three goals and they were completely unavoidable. Sometimes, I said it, you know, when Tavernier scored that free kick, I said, listen, sometimes it's just a great goal. I thought it was a brilliant goal. Uh, And others in the comments said, you know, Joe Hart should have got it, except it wasn't quite posted stamp. I thought it was a great free kick. And sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and say, that was a fantastic effort. But those three goals that we conceded at the weekend are so frustrating to watch back, because you're, you're looking at the first one, the opener, and I'm thinking to myself, Joe Hart, who has been a sensational signing for Celtic. I love his leadership qualities. I think he's been brilliant for the team. If you're going to stop that and no catch it, don't put it into the danger area. And that's exactly what he's done. But in putting it into the danger area, what you're hoping for is you're hoping for a quicker reaction by Kobayashi at that stage. Mm-hmm. And and you just don't get it. I think he's slow to react. The second goal, and by the way, this is an opportunity to get stuck in about Kobayashi because he's going to be playing in the cup final, and I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to criticise him too much. He needs to be stronger when when Suter, uh, wins that header, and I know some people have suggested that there was a fill there. I was watching it back closely this morning. Um, you know, Kobayashi's got a hold of Suiter's jersey as well. I think if that mm. is called as a fill against you, you're, you're frustrated. So I just think he needs to be stronger. He ends up on the deck. He ends up on his backside. And you know that third goal? Not by any means Kobayashi's fault because McGregor and Starfelt was a mix-up. It's a classic mix-up. Starfelt was one of the best players in the park for me. McGregor's captain invincible. He's been superb. However, see when you watch it back from the other angle, right? Kobayashi takes an age to react to the mishap. Mm -hmm. And all you're looking for is you're looking for him to get behind Hart. Hart pushes the boy out wide. And then you've maybe got a chance with Kobayashi standing mm-hmm. in the goal to knock it back for a corner. So all three goals, completely unavoidable, Stephen. Completely avoidable, rather.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as the first goal is concerned, if you're a defender, especially one making their debut at, at, at ibrooks uh, against Rangers, um, the, the one thing you've got to do is stay switched on. You've got to stay switched on, especially early in the game. And they just switched off. And he was, you know, a split second and in- Cantwell was in behind him. And I agree with you, it was, you know, pretty ordinary from Joe Hart. It was a decent shot, uh, but he should have he got it away from the danger area. That's for sure. Uh, as far as the second goal goes, I-, I flagged some concerns on our pod about the way Kobayashi was physically bullied last week at Tidecastle by Ginelli and by Shankland. They were both taking turns to push him around. Um, And, you know, those guys are by no means world beaters, uh, but they gave him a bit of a torrid time of it. I didn't think he'd a great game against Hearts at all. So probably didn't surprise me that he got got bullied by Suter in the box, but yeah, you're right. He's got to be stronger. He's got to be physically stronger in that situation. And, you know, you mentioned that he'll be playing in the cup final. I'm not sure if there's an argument for looking at Stephen Welsh. Um, I'm, I'm not Stephen Welsh's biggest fan. I think he's short for the level that we require. I don't think he'd have got bullied off John Souter like that. I think he'd have been physically stronger in that situation. Um, so maybe that's something for, for Ange to think about. And the third goal, yeah, you're, you're right again, because when Sakala goes round the goalkeeper, he take, again, he, he takes a poor touch. Mm-hmm. He's taken a wide and he, he, he's touched it to, to, to divert it towards goal. He's rolled his foot over the ball a little bit and it's trundled just inside the post. So we yeah. always missed it again. And if someone had got back in the line, they'd have had an excellent chance to clear it. Uh but how funny would that have been if he'd rolled that past the post
1: <laughs> and at the side net. Uh um, what's happened. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Um that's an interesting point about Welsh because I think anyone who's been tuning into the for a while uh, will know that I have championed Stephen Welsh. I just uh, the way his career's gone at Celtic, you can kind of see that he doesn't have a future. Certainly under know, he's not going to have a future here. Um, It's an interesting uh, suggestion because you've kind of, or I certainly have kind of written him off and we're going to be asking, what have you learned from this game? Well, Kobayashi, um, the only way he's going to learn um, about these deficiencies is by playing playing games. But I don't think a game against Rangers is when you learn. I don't think a cup final is when you learn. (laughs) You know, and Stephen Welsh, um, yeah, he has played in cup finals for Celtic and he's played plenty of games for the club. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him that his career has kind of gone and, and nosedived a wee bit under Ange, particularly when you look at the first game of this season. He opens the scoring for us this season against Aberdeen. Played pretty well and he's out the team uh, the following week. But it will be interesting to see because I don't even think he was on the bench, was he, at the weekend. I'd need to check that. Let me have a wee no, look. I
0: see, I see somebody in the comments saying he might be injured. So, I mean, that, yeah, he wasn't not on good, the bench. Yeah, I might, mm. be, you know, I might be off the mark there, but definitely. And I'd look... Before anything jumps down my throat, you know, I'm not suggesting Stephen Wells is a future centre half for Celtic. We, we need much, much better than that. I'm just saying if you know, Angie's been fair enough about, you know, competition for places uh, and all that, then, you know, Stephen Wells should, you know, after that performance by Kobayashi, I think Wells should should be in with a shout, at least.
1: Yeah, but I just checked the bench there and perhaps it is an injury because he certainly wasn't on the bench. Jungle Lion, welcome to the show. Uh, No matter what happens at the weekend, we will be here to talk about it and we're heading towards 800 live on the live stream. If you've just joined us and wondering why this monstrosity is uh, behind me on the mannequin, um, it's so bad that I like it. Um, but if you think that the jerseys behind Stephen are better, the famous Shamrock jersey and also the stripes, um, is that the one that's also got the harp on it as well? I think it is. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yep. Um, the 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 harp, the Free State. That that jersey and the Shamrock, fantastic designs. Not so much this one. If you think Stephen's got better jerseys than me, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Um, Jungle Lion, French players are French players for a reason. I think we had kind of been led into a situation, Stephen, where We thought the fringe players were great. We maybe had 16 or 18 of a squad that could be called upon and contribute. What we've seen at the weekend is that if we're four first picks down, our team is completely different. It's not flowing. It's not as fluid as we're used to. The quality certainly isn't there. And if you look at the fact that um, the defence is is something that we've built our success on, Um, that was a brand new defence who had never played together before. And it was a weak defence, like you say there, you know, uh, Kobayashi getting bullied. We can't get bullied from John Suter, who's probably played a handful of games since he signed for Rangers. And then up top, we just don't have the same impact from O. Stephen Sloan, that's gave them a huge confidence boost going into next season. And they think uh, they have our card mark now. Yeah, they probably do, Stephen, they probably do. And I think there's probably going to be a narrative around that as well, that, uh, you know, Probably uh, motivated me to write that tagline. Summer bragging rights. Unbelievable uh, because, you know, it's one game and and we have won a double. We're going for a treble. Uh, Michael McDonald, I'm bummed the team. This is great because this is Happy Mondays. I'm bummed the team. We're a loose fit on Saturday. We see CV out. When we play our strongest first team for the important games, Bob's your uncle and a treble is ours. Happy Mondays and Sundays shall return. I love a bit of happy Mondays, Michael. So thank you very much for that. Um and I've also just seen that I've written some are bragging right. I need to change that to rights. Okay. Now the lockout, obviously. Uh the allocation changes, Stephen. Massive, massive discussion points. I think it affects the atmosphere. I thought that atmosphere was really flat at the weekend. What was your I mean, what was your take on
0: that? Yeah, definitely. It's it's not a, it's not much of a spectacle, is it, really? Um, And it seems to be much worse at Ibrox. Obviously, we're we're a little bit biased at Celtic Park. You know, I I thought the atmosphere was great in some of the games where we had 100% of the fans at our place. But it was flat at Ibrox. And I don't know whether that was because, again, the nature of the game, a dead rubber, uh, not much at stake. And, you know, everything's already been decided in terms of the league championship. But it does make a difference. And it's something, you know, that, that needs to be resolved, obviously, it's only Rangers that can resolve it. Um, they're the ones that need to move their position towards getting away fans back in the grounds again in a safe manner, uh, because you know, having I, I've never been to to Ibrox with with eight hundred fans. In the, the days when I used to go to Ibrox, it was eight thousand of us there, so it was safety in numbers. Um, and I can only imagine how how scary it would be to go with eight hundred fans there. So we need to get back to a, a situation where there's there's at least a few thousand. Um, away fans at these games, and I'd be happy to see to see them getting a few thousand tickets for Celtic Park as well, because it, it definitely improves the spectacle. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino dot com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You know, this, I was watching it and I just thought there was a gala atmosphere. You know, it was like th- there was a moment where um, Raskin kicks the ball and slices it out of the park. And the Rangers fans applauded it. And I'm just thinking, this sounds like the cricket, you know, where you can actually Mm -hmm. hear everybody. It just, for me, the atmosphere wasn't there. Um, And again, I've been, um, I've been to Ibrox and the the free broom loan when we had the full allocation there. And the atmosphere is electric. And like you say, it's safety in numbers. And you just hope that the goal gets scored in front of you. And inevitably, the player ends up in the crowd. Um, Everybody done that from Cascarino to Samaras. And then, you know, I've I've been at games at Celtic Park where, and I've described the um, the view of the Rangers fans celebrating as like a, a box of worms. You know, if they score a goal and everybody's just gone wild from a distance. And I've also been at Celtic Park when there's been no Rangers fans and I thought the atmosphere was electric as well. But at the weekend there, yeah, definitely no atmosphere uh, to speak of. And of course I wasn't in the stadium. You also spoke about safety, the whole... Uh, genesis of this this issue and the fact that uh, Celtic have gone to them and said, listen, our fans are not safe in your stadium, therefore we don't want your tickets for Ibrox and you're not coming to Celtic Park. There were more missiles thrown in the park, Stephen. Um, Matt O'Reilly and, and Jota in their direction. They didn't get hit, but they're picking up what looked like lighters and, and coins. They're passing them to the ref, who's passing them to the fourth official, who's passing them to the security officer. And that kind of thing, we've, we've spoken about the safety aspect of our fans, our staff, the referees who have received threats, mm-hmm. and also the players. And it continues. And it's one of these things that's almost a footnote. If that doesn't really get a mention, it's just like, oh, just move them off the park so we can get the game going again. But this is the same stadium and the same fan base who had broken glass and Joe Hart's Goldmouth. It needs to be looked at. It needs to be highlighted. And, and inevitably, it needs to be sorted out.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a total media silence on it. Um, it was it was another serious incident which could have ended up with a player being injured. And off the back of the things we've seen that you, that you mentioned there, with broken glass, with the Celtic physio needing medical treatment after getting hit in the head with something, um, and with players being attacked on the pitch uh, when Scott Brown was attacked a, a couple of years back. So th- th- these guys are serial offenders for this and... You know, in any other any other country, I think they'd be looking at at least a partial ground closure on the back of this happening again and again and again. And sadly, you know, it, it's not the media that are going to drive it in this country. It's up to Celtic as a club, and I think Celtic have got a duty of care uh, to protect their own employees in this. And I hope they're raising this with the with the SFA or the SPFL and, and making sure that appropriate measures are put in place. I did have concerns about this game, and it was probably. You know, the concerns would have been a little bit delayed by the fact that Rangers won the game. But if Celtic had won that game, there'd have, have been all sorts going on for sure. And i I got no, no confidence that our players and staff would have got out there uh, in good health if we had won that game. Well, here here's something
1: for you then, Stephen, to consider and uh, for the wider fan base, right? So in games like this previously, what, what has happened is the match commander, who's the highest-ranking police officer in the stadium, has spoken to both teams. And they've spoken to both teams with regards to an expectation of their conduct on the park. So, for example, and I wasn't party to this, you could imagine, and I said this leading up to the game, that part of that discussion would be how Celtic treat scoring a goal. And we spoke all all week about how do you celebrate a goal in that environment? What do you do? And it's the do's and don'ts. Don't run up, don't antagonise, don't incite this, that and the other. That's their focus, right? What the focus should be on is what to do with missiles once they're thrown on the pack. Because what happens is a player picks it up, passes it to the ref, who passes it to the fourth official, who then passes it to the security officer, contaminating whatever has been thrown on the pack. So there's no evidence to be gained from it. It's easy to find out who's thrown it because either DNA on a bottle or fingerprints on something like a lighter are easy to to get off of that. So it shows the priorities, doesn't it? Don't antagonise a a fan base because something bad might happen. But if they throw something on the park, just get it off as soon as possible. Don't worry about the evidence that might actually be on that item. And I think that's something that the club need to raise uh, with the authorities because, again, it's going to continue. And as you say, if we had won 3-0 at the weekend... Who knows what might have happened at the end of that, Stephen. Unfortunately, we are talking about a 3-0 defeat. And at the end of the game on Sky Sports, uh, it was claimed, and I've got the tagline right this time, it was claimed that Rangers have the bragging rights through the summer. Um, This was definitely a bad day at the office. But I'll tell you something with regards to the game, I think there's loads to learn from it. I think we've spoken about some of that today, uh, Stephen. But I also think that, Ange knows we need to be bigger than having just parochial bragging rights um, because our motivation, our ambitions have to be bigger than that. Um, and again, with regards to it, if that is all that they're living for, it shows, our, kind of, for me, a small club mentality. We, we've got to be bigger than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the bragging rights comment was was from Ailey Barber on the Sky coverage. And to be fair, Ailey's normally a half-decent commentator on the games. Uh, But it was a really stupid thing to say, Um, and I think if she'd had her time over again, she she would think about saying something completely different. Because it's a a piece of nonsense how anybody can suggest that a a club who's won zero trophies this year and been schooled by their biggest competitors at least four times already, knocked out of both cups... Uh, And we are now looking at a domestic treble possibly in a few weeks' time. So to say that's given anyone bragging rights over a summer is just a preposterous comment. And I think the fact that that Ange felt he was able to rest so many players in this game sort of tells us how we see them. We don't really see them as a major threat, um, you know, and and I don't think, you know, there's, there's nothing... Although they won the game fairly comfortably... And, you know, credit to them for that. But I don't see there's anything much to worry about from them.
1: You're, you're right. And um, I think that it was one of the comments, it's out, it's live telly. And if you could rewind time and delete it from history, you certainly would do. Patrick Harold, welcome to the show. You need to fight in every game, mate. I totally agree with that. Um, and going into, it, I, you know, it's not a meaningless game uh, in terms of what that does for title aspirations. It does nothing because the title's over. But definitely not a meaningless game. Now, Paddy, that third kit looks rank rotten. I, I hope you're talking about this thing behind me because I I do agree with you. But strangely enough, I, I've grown to love it in a strange way. And um, basically, it's there because. Stephen's on the show. He's got some quality kits. If you think Stephen's are better than mine, give me a thumbs up on the YouTube channel. And uh, I think what we'll do with this one, right, as well as we're not on holiday, just for the bands, is um, get it signed with as many Celtic players as possible uh, because we do a lot of live gigs. And Blah Boy is asking, when is a live show coming to Ireland? We would absolutely love to come to Ireland. We've never done it. Um, Axom has never done a live show in Ireland so anyone out there who is involved in a CSC or knows a good venue and you want us to come along and bring a player or two, give us a DM, give us an email and we'll certainly come along. Michael Ross says we don't need a third kit, I agree with that and we certainly don't need a fourth kit either Michael but that is where we're going and there's been a few leaks that we'll talk about once we're finished with this game here Um, What do you think Ange learned from that then? Because uh, you know, we know the, the saying that you learn more in adversity than you do in success. Um, I thought, if you're taking any learning, I actually thought after the second batch of subs, we contained them better, but the sting was out of the game by then. They they had kind of switched off, they'd won the game. Um, we can't cope with losing four key players. I think that's a massive learning point. And by the way, on the back of that, if we do lose one or two, this summer, and I don't mean fringe players like Stephen Welsh or James McCarthy, who we probably expect to leave, or any of the loanees like Barkas, etc., who we expect to leave. If we lose key players, then the quality that comes in has to be as good as. I mean, I'm not. I loathe to call players projects. Uh, you know, I think we have done that in the past, Stephen. But we can't be, be losing one of our key players and then bringing someone in who's a drop in quality this summer.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, I think one of the one of the points that came out of our Champions League campaign earlier on in the in the year, which was ultimately a disappointing one, um, was that the drop off between our first and second choice in most of mostly every position uh, is is too much, uh, and that was something I think we were going to have to bridge. And I think what Angie's probably learned from this game is is that we haven't quite bridged that yet, uh, and there's still far too much of a drop off. For instance, between Kyogo and O. Uh, and between Cameron Carter-Vickers and Kobayashi, between Taylor and Bernabe, and, and most particularly between Alistair Johnson and, and Anthony Rolston. Um, and if we are serious about having a crack at the Champions League uh, next season, then that's something they're going to have to address over the summer. Uh, and yeah, not with projects. We've got money to spend. We should be able to, to, you know, to, to uh, invest some serious sums of money in transfer fees and bring in some real quality. In some cases, not only to compete, but to replace guys in the first team and keep them on their toes as well. I mean, Greg Taylor's a prime example for me. He's had a great season, absolutely brilliant, could potentially have been player of the year. But could we do better? You know, possibly. Possibly if we'd done a left-footed Alistair Johnson, he might keep Greg Taylor out of the team, if you know what I mean. So we have to just keep, you know, pushing the quality of the signings as much as we can and try and make sure, as if we lose Cameron Carter Vickers for a game or two of the Champions League that we did, like we did this year, that the drop-off's not as steep to someone like Maurice Jens, who just didn't didn't cut it where it mattered. No, th- this is the concern.
1: This is definitely the concern. I mean, we've seen the second-choice players or the second-stringers, as they are some things known, and that is Ralston and it's Burnaby and it's O, and you're thinking, well... Listen, they weren't good enough to cut it on the weekend. So when we go into the European uh, level, are they going to be good enough? I don't want to write any player off. Some people didn't think Greg Taylor was good enough for European football. And I think he's proven a lot of players, uh, fans rather wrong in that respect. Kei Matsu, I can hook you up with some venues in Japan. Listen, we would definitely get on the road to come to Japan. Um, Kevin McCluskey our very own Kevin McCluskey is setting up an axe night in Hungary Um, we'll go anywhere if there's a group of Celtic fans a decent venue we'll bring the player and host the night Red Scotland any mere bragging rights and we'll need to invent a fourth cup the three we have are filled to the brim Um, no you're right I mean listen Ailey Barber's a St Johnson fan and like you said earlier Stephen I think she's very good Um, you know I think she's one of our better pundits Um, but it was probably out there before she could do anything with it and we will jump on that absolutely every single time. Mm-hmm. Now we've said um we'll say regardless of who it is by the way we've said before that when you win, lose or draw it's always important to to highlight any poor poor performances rather of the officials, Stephen, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, you and I have already accepted we were well beaten at the weekend we could have done so much better. Yeah, there was individual where Celtic weren't at the races at the weekend. So that that's the first point I would make. We're not saying it was because of bad refereeing. It absolutely wasn't. But when I look at some of the decisions, uh, what of the ones today? During the game, I was aware that Cantwell seemed to be getting away with murder. So looking at it today, I was able to actually look at that, uh, that in more detail. There was five occasions where he was penalised for fouling our players first one happened in 12 minutes with Atate. There was a few on Atati one on O'Reilly, one on Kobayashi, one on Jota. He went through the entire game, didn't get a booking. And then 59 minutes in, if you if you re-watch McGregor, um, booked for barely touching Sakala on the on the touchline. Unbelievable booking. Mm-hmm. And that level of inconsistency is frustrating. Um, and we're not doing it because it's sour grapes and all that kind of stuff, Stephen. Um, there was a few other things. I think um, Jack had uh, Bernabe in a headlock. 40 minutes in, mm-hmm. nothing happened. Um, people were asking about whether or not Suter impeded Kobayashi. We've discussed that. I don't think he did. I think Kobayashi was just out-muscled on that one. And then, of course, you've got the golden handball. Uh, we spoke about that at the weekend, and pe- some people in the comments were saying, you don't know the handball rule. I've been looking through the handball rule all morning. <laughs> and, um, you know, with regards to using your arm uh, to support your body, for example... That's, I think, when your body's already on the ground. He went he went body and arm to ball. Uh, it's probably the only thing that we could uh, argue the toss about, Stephen, to be honest with you. But again, it's it's a refereeing decision that we expect in games like this.
0: Yeah, I think that's what you're expecting when Stephen McLean's a referee. Um, I don't think anyone's in any doubt where his allegiances lie. Um, but, you know... I agree with you. You know the the, the Cantwell non booking was 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 farcical, given the amount of fouls he committed in the game. It was obviously trying to achieve a a, a magic bugera. When he, you remember that game where he kicked Robbie Keane up and oh, down the park. Yeah, yep. uh, he must have committed at least eight bookable offences, and he, I think he got booked in the last five minutes of the game or something. Um, and he should he, he, he committed enough offences to get sent off three times, um, but never got sent off at all. Um, so that it was similar to that maybe not quite as pronounced we can't well they were never going to book him he's the great white hope for next season for Rangers he's the he's the poster boy he's the man he thinks is this great player and he's going to be a superstar and all this nonsense um, so he was never going to get booked whatever he done on the park um, he was never going to get booked um, on the Goldson handball I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on the handball rule it seems to change so often now I'm not quite sure what it is but for me, it's a penalty. Um, I've, I've read all the arguments like yourself about i'm um, supporting his own weight, but he wasn't. You're right. He was on his way down, and he reached his arm out uh, to make contact with the ball. And for me, it's a penalty. And it didn't even get it didn't even get looked at by VAR. But you know, given what we've seen already this season, I don't suppose we should be too too surprised with that.
1: I think it gets highlighted um, hugely if it's a one nothing defeat after the game and we'll, we'll really then focus on it. But yeah, it's important to to raise these issues and the Cantwell one was just bizarre. Um, as I said earlier, Stephen, they were cheering, Rangers fans were cheering for Raskin kicking the ball at the park and we've heard of the Espanolification of Rangers, um, why they actually believe that these three points are as important as three trophies. And that's one thing that I can take away from this and I'm pretty glad that that is their attitude. If they truly believe Um, that that was acceptable over a season just to get a win against I go back to the 95 game at Hamden where we beat them three 0 you'll remember it Mm -hmm. Uh, Van Hoydonk, Vata and an OG by Craig Moore I think it was Billy Thompson was in goals uh, for Rangers that day it meant nothing it meant absolutely nothing it was just you know it was good on the day it was great to beat Rangers And um, as Kevin Graham said on the blog, they went into the the summer months and signed Basil Bowley and Paul Gascoigne. You know, it meant absolutely nothing in the great scheme of things. That result there, you know, as long as we maintain our own goals and we continue with the recruitment strategy that we have, that will mean nothing. But their expectations now, Stephen, are so low Mm -hmm. that a win against Celtic and a a meaningless in terms of the title race fixture um, keeps them happy, then I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that shows the level they're at just now. Um, they're clinging on to anything and they were always going to cling on to this result um if they got it. Um but you know they're not any further forward than they were last week or the week before, um when we when we beat them. They're, they're still at the same level. And I, I win over a week in Celtic side doesn't change that at all. They've still got this massive rebuilding job to do in the summer. Um and if they start if they start next season with Fascist Sakala up front, playing centre forward for them, then I'll be laughing hilariously because, you know, if they think that's good enough and if they think John Souter's good enough to play at centre-half for them through a whole season against a full-strength Celtic team, then I'm delighted. I'm delighted with that because we'll tear them apart like we have done in the past and we will do again when we've got a full team in the park, strengthened over the summer, as we know Ange will, and with a renewed vigour next season. And when there's pressure. When it matters, you know that that's yeah. when we've got the,
1: that's when we've managed to get the results. Uh, Pete McGee actually says, if we're honest, we need to ask why we have played so badly against them in recent derbies, despite the positive results, not just on Saturday. And that's the thing: when it's mattered, I don't think we have always played that well, but we've always managed to get the results. I think the big difference at the weekend was we were without four first team uh, or first choices. We weren't without them. Two forced two um, were made by Ange. And it definitely showed there was a drop in quality. A quarter of our team, you know, were were out that you would expect to see. And it definitely showed. And despite all of that, watching it back today, I think there were four chances where we could have scored in this game. We've already discussed the O chance where he hits the post. Uh, fifteen minutes in, Abada's on the twelve, he's on the penalty spot. And I think Ralston plays a brilliant zipped cross mm-hmm. in. abada has got to do better. And that's a chance. 42 minutes, O'Reilly chance of the game, potentially. Mm-hmm. He does so well, by the way. You've got to say O'Reilly does so well to create the chance out of nothing. And yeah, it was a good save. But, you know, he, he's got to. So that was 49 minutes. He's got to score that for me. Um, and there was another one from O'Reilly that I think was a chance from a, a Ralston cross as well. So we had the chances. And we weren't decisive enough as well, Stephen. So you've got to take that away and say, listen, on another day, we could have came away from that saying, listen, we were rubbish today, but we got a result.
0: Yeah, for sure. They were all, you know, really half-decent chances. I, w- I wouldn't say they were gimmies, but, you know, they were all good chances. And O'Reilly, especially, has to do better. Uh, and a bad out it was just that I don't think he got a hold of it properly. It was a, a bit of a miskick. I think it came on his weaker side. Uh, but, you know, you know, we-, we-, we just have to take our medicine, to be honest, we came out on the wrong side of the game. We had our chances. You know, we can point to reasons why we didn't play well. And these are all valid reasons. They're not excuses. They're valid reasons why we didn't show up in the day. But ultimately, we didn't deserve to win. We didn't deserve to take anything from the game. Um, and, and, you know, I'm just happy that we reserved that type of performance for a game that didn't matter at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And, um, you know... Pass marks then. I've got them down here, Stephen. I've got three players that have watched it back again once the emotions kind of out of the equation. I think O'Reilly gets pass marks. For me, I think that he was um, the type of player who was going to create something and he did get into goal scoring uh, positions. Unfortunately, the two chances he had, he didn't score them. I thought Jota, you know, despite the fact he was switching left and right, I still thought Jota played well he obviously had um, a weakness behind him, but I still thought he was always willing to show for the ball. He was trying to create something out of nothing. And despite that final goal, I think Starfelt played pretty well as well. They're the three players for me, Stephen, that get pass marks on that game.
0: Yeah, I thought Starfelt was outstanding, apart from that mistake, which I think was probably more to do with with, with McGregor than than Starfelt. I would put more of the blame on that on Callum McGregor. I think he made a... He made a bad back pass to, to Starfield where he should have been looking up the park. And Ange talks about them being brave enough uh, to make difficult passes. And I thought he just tried to take the easy option um, and, and, and it ended up in a just a complete mess. But um, apart from that, I thought Starfield was, was very strong in the tackle. He won all his headers, won all his defensive duels. Uh, and I thought he was our best player. Jota, you're right, was good offensively. Um, he looked as if he was able to create, he was able to go past players, but, you know, the defensive side of the game just wasn't there from him. Um, O'Reilly, again, yes, got himself in good positions. But, you know, the lack of a finish is something we've seen from O'Reilly this season. Mm-hmm. He should be scoring more goals than he does. Um, and that's something he need, probably needs to address in the close season. But, you know, he got himself in good positions and, and he'll, learn, he'll learn a lot from that game.
1: Yeah, it seems to take him an age this season to get off the off the mark with his goals. And we spoke to uh um, Martin Vikorst earlier on, um, and we asked him about his chances of a full cap for Denmark. He says, Listen, he's on our radar. He's a player that we really like, but you know, it's tough to get into that. Feel like a feel in national squad. You add goals to his game, Stephen, and that takes his game up a, a, another level, Matt O'Reilly. Uh, John McGlinchey, thanks for joining the show. You're commenting on YouTube, Paul John. We are nowhere near being a European force with these players and our style of playing. Well, I want to see us next season. I want to see us when you've got that galvanisation of the team we currently have, um, some of whom will be in their second season, so you might be seeing a better version of them. And then hopefully, and I think crucially, also um, aided and abetted by three or four top, top quality signings in the summer as well. Brian Walsh, apart from the 4 nothing game at Parkhead, we either beat them by the odd goal, through or lost. Talk, talk of a gap is pure complacency. We can't fall into that trap this summer. Brian, I'm going to say two words to you, Jim or... He's been saying this all season and every time he says it, he gets criticised about the gap. Um, I think between the two clubs, the gap is absolutely massive. But at the weekend, what we did see is four first 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 uh, picks out. The gap isn't that big, is it? And that's something that we really need to be uh, concerned about. Chris McCafferty, fireworks going off in Wishaw after the game. I couldn't believe that's where their high standards have got to get suits and brown brogues out. Well, listen, If they're setting off the fireworks because they're beating us in a game that has no bearing on where that league trophy goes, then let them fill their their brown brogues. Let them fill their boots. Um, There's been a new kit leaked today. And I can only say, Stephen, um, if Adidas are leaking new kits, I'm pretty sure the Celtic marketing team will not be very happy with them. We've seen um, a set of green and white hoops uh, doing the rounds on the socials. Apparently it's legit but it's not going to be our home kit. So work that one out. Um, and then the new one that I seen this morning was an away or a third jersey, kind of two-tone green with a pattern on it. Got to say, it looks pretty smart to me. I do like it. Uh, but it begs the question again, why have you got a green away kit? Because, you know, any games you can't wear your home kit, you're not going to be able to wear that one. Oh yeah, we'll bring out another one. So it looks as we're going to have four kits again next season, Stephen. Is that
0: overkill for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's clearly just a marketing ploy, you know, to try and get some more more pounds. And, um, I mean, I don't. my views on, a, on away kits are uh, we should always have uh, one dark, either black or dark green away kit and one yellow. And that covers any potential kit clash uh, in any of the other clubs in Scotland. You bring in a white, either a white or a late green or anything like that, it's far too close to our home kit. To, to be any use in any meaningful way in terms of kit clashes, the the one the one I seen today, like I, I, I don't hate it. It's it's quite a nice kit. It look looks probably more like a training kit to me than than, a, yeah. than an actual third kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't hate it. I'd, I'd like to see it. You know, see what how they pair it up, shorts and socks wise, before I make a final judgment on it. But um, but I really do. I really do like the home kit that's been floating around uh, or what they said was a home kit. And if that's not going to be the home kit, then I'd say that's probably quite disappointing. Yeah. It's a,
1: from what I've heard, it's a commemorative kit. Um, and we are going to have another set of green and white hoops. Thankfully it is the hoops. Uh, there was talk when Nike were involved in designing their kits that we were going to do away with the hoops, which was uh, met with the kind of reaction you would expect. Why on earth have I got this behind me? That's because, you know, I'm, I'm wondering would it look good on Jota? Probably. However, if you think that Steven's kits are better than mine, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube. Um, Player of the Year awards last night, there was a, a couple of awards ceremonies. And Manager of the Year, Posta goal of the season, Jota against Rangers, where he, um, I thought it was a great pass by O'Reilly, actually, and then he rounds McGregor, slots it away. And the PFA Player of the Year, uh, we won two gongs, Kyogo and Caitlin Hayes. Both won the PFA Player of the Year. The Celtic gongs went to Kyogo as player. Young Player of the Year went to Matt O'Reilly. Um, and that leads us into the women's team, actually, because you know it's all gone down to the wire. Steve, I'm going to ask you one question about this. So Celtic beat Hibs 2-1 at Meadowbank. And I've seen a few pictures from the game. I wasn't there yesterday. I did see some images. Natasha Miko was at the game. And it was that running track around Meadowbank, Thistle's old stadium. And I remember when I was at school, primary school, they used to take us there and force us to run that. Now, by the way, looking at it as a 45-year-old, it looks big enough. I think I was about nine at the time. It took me about three days. Um, Now Celtic are looking for a win in their final game against Hearts. It's a home tie. Um, And Rangers are playing Glasgow City. What we're hoping for is that they draw. Now, Rangers have already announced that they're going to be moving their game to Ibrox. We've seen how big an impact that we had at Celtic Park for the last game that we played against Glasgow City at home. Should our game against Hearts be switched to Celtic Park? Should the season ticket holders be able to go in for an out? Should we get the Green Brigade and the Ultras and everything going again for the last game? It's bound to make a difference, Stephen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, the game against Glasgow City last week, there was moved to Celtic Park. The, the atmosphere there looked phenomenal, um, and, and credit to the, the Green Brigade and the boys um, for, for getting that organised. And yeah, i would be all for that. Get it moved to as many of the women's games as possible should be played at Celtic Park to try and get the atmosphere. Um, you know, we really, we should be striving for excellence, whatever team we put in the park and in uh, the women's game, but we, we should be striving to be the best team in the country, uh, and that should be the expectation. So, any, anything we can do as a club to help that, we should certainly do. And if that means getting the games to Celtic Park, getting a big crowd in, you know, give out free tickets if you need to, you know, get the atmosphere going. And I'm sure Rangers, you know, like they always do, they're just following in our footsteps, really, uh, by moving their game to Ibrox. And um, let, let's hope that the results go in our favour. And it'd be great to finish um, with the with the Women's League title to add to ours.
1: It would be brilliant. A great advert. And uh, I know that obviously uh, we were speaking last uh, week about the first game that they ever played and uh, how far they've come since then. I think we've got a manager in Fran Alonso who has bought into the the ethos of Celtic. He's also then bought into the ethos of Ange Postacoglu. And I found uh, Ange's post-match comments really interesting. I was thinking in the last 10, 15 minutes when nothing much was happening in the game, Stephen, I'm thinking to myself, what's Ange going to say after this game? Because, you know, it was a bit of a damp squib by the end of the game. We were well beaten. Um and you know they were going to kind of go through the motions, Rangers by that point. And I've watched two or three um, interviews. I've watched the club interview and, and also uh, the one that he gave to the the larger kind of media outlets. And he was talking about these players don't get a freebie. Uh, so he's talking about guys that are going into that game. He, he actually referenced, uh, and I'm supposedly. I'm thinking it's probably the Johnston situation where he's thrown a player in previously and, he, and he's done the job. And that's what he was expecting. Um, and he, he expected them to get the job done and they didn't. I found that really interesting. What can we take from Angie's post-match comments, do you think, Stephen?
0: I think the main thing I took from him was he was absolutely furious. Um, he was really annoyed. He had, could hardly look the, look the interviewer in the eye. He was just there on the ground. He was, you know, so sort of downbeat in what he was saying. He was clearly getting ready to tear strips off of someone. Uh, and I really wouldn't have been, wouldn't have liked to have been one of those players in, in the dressing room after after he delivered a spray because he wasn't happy and he clearly didn't think that performance was up to the standard that he expects from any player, whether it's their first game or their hundredth game, uh, and the standards to maintain. And we fell well below them at the weekend and he won't be happy about that. And I think probably he'll be looking at his own Part in it as well, and he's probably, you know, angry that, that he made so many changes, and he'll be, you know, and I think that's probably why he was he, he was a little bit annoyed.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely, and this is a big thing, you know. With Ange, certainly, you've got a confidence that he'll identify what went wrong and put it right. That's the big thing that mm-hmm. that I've got with Ange. I'm I'm confident that he can do that, um, and I think that we've covered quite a lot today, Stephen. I've got to thank you for uh, joining us on A Celtic State of Mind, you, of course, appear on a regular basis on Celtic Down Under. If you haven't already followed the guys on social media, do that. Subscribe to them on YouTube as well. And there's been a wee bit of chat about us going to Japan And Ireland, we're already setting up a gig in Hungary, but we do regular events in Scotland. And there's one in Glasgow in a couple of weeks' time where we will be with uh, wee Jackie. Jackie McNamara will be joining us at Gracie's. There are some tickets available, I think about maybe eight or nine uh, VIP tickets available. If you want to meet wee Jackie and get uh, your photograph taken and get uh, a signed item as well then the tickets are underneath this video. I've got to thank everybody for getting involved. 900 strong on the live stream uh, this afternoon. Yes, it was a poor performance, but we've got loads to look forward to, starting off with a a full house um, against St Mirren this weekend. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. And thank you to Stephen also for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.